Training camp is officially upon us, and it's officially betting season in the NFL landscape. For our second Wager Wednesday, we're going to be checking out some individual props for stars like DK Metcalf, Rashad Penny, and even Drew Locke. Should you be betting on the Seahawks? Let's take a close look on our latest installment of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our second Wager Wednesday, my co-host Tyler Forness. We're officially to the start of training camp. The Seahawks are going to practice later today at the VMAC. A lot of excitement with the season finally being here. Seattle's got pretty low expectations coming into the season, but the players certainly are not going to be selling themselves short, and they're looking forward to getting back on the field and having an opportunity to prove their naysayers wrong. We're going to take a look at several prop bets, both from list form as well as individual over and unders on today's show. Tyler, looking forward to diving in on a number of different players, a lot of offensive-related bets that we're going to be taking a very close look at on today's episode. Absolutely. It is always betting season. There is always something that you can find to throw your money on. And the best part about right now is it's all in futures. So if you have a little bit of extra cash, all of a sudden, come uh, end of January, when they have those after Christmas sales, you can really cash in all of a sudden get this lump sum of money, almost like a tax return, and then you'd be able to spend it on whatever your heart desires. It's a really fun way to play, and it really keeps you invested throughout the entire year, even if your team is no longer in playoff uh, competition. We're going to get to our first props here in a moment, but this bonus episode of Locked on Seahawks is brought to you by BetOnline.net, your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including the second half of this Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting and wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, whether it's MMA, boxing, or golf. Head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All of our numbers today are going to come courtesy of BetOnline.net. So without further ado, Tyler, let's get to it. And I think these first two we're going to look at are really interesting because it paints a picture on what the sports books believe is going to be the final outcome for the Seahawks at the starting quarterback position. And that is that Drew Locke is the player that is on all of their prop bets. Let's start with most passing yards. And not surprisingly, Drew Locke coming in dead last plus 10,000. But as I just mentioned, this does indicate that the books expect Drew Locke is going to be the starter in week one when the Seahawks play his former team, the Broncos. Absolutely. And, it should make some sense that Drew Locke is projected as a starter. There is no upside with Geno Smith. There is still some with Drew Locke. He has all the tools that you want from a quarterback. He's got a powerful arm. He has a quick release. He could be more accurate, and he flashes that accuracy at times. When he's playing against really good defenses, he kind of starts to crumble for one reason or another. Uh, I think Drew Locke is going to end up being the starter of the Seahawks. I also think that the odds show that you should not bet on Drew Locke. Because there is that uncertainty, and when you have two quarterbacks, you have none. They're just 
isn't enough confidence in me to really believe that Drew Locke will start all 17 games. And Pete Carroll, being an older coach, really liking to run the football and play a mistake-free game, won't at some point turn the uh, ball over to Geno Smith and just ask him to run a uh, game manager style of offense. Yeah, as a person that has covered the Seahawks for several years and have followed the team for a couple decades, throughout the Pete Carroll era, the last thing that I would ever bet on, even when Russell Wilson was the quarterback, was the quarterback leading the NFL in passing yards. The volume just isn't going to be there. Now, Russell Wilson has consistently been among league leaders in passing touchdowns, though. And if you have a run game and you have a play-action passing game to work off of it, then whoever the quarterback is going to be this year may have an advantage in that regard. The Seahawks may still score some points. They may still have opportunities to throw passing touchdowns. Nonetheless, not surprisingly, Drew Locke is once again at the bottom of the most passing touchdown prop bet as well at plus 10,000. Out of these two, though, just based on historical precedent, if Drew Locke is the starter and you're really wanting to potentially throw your money away, this is probably the one that would make a bit more sense just because Seattle does have a tradition of throwing more passing touchdowns than being a volume passing team. I would agree with that. And when you're looking at these two props, you want to look at it twofold. You need a team that is not so dominant that they end up running the ball just to drown the clock out. But And you need a, an offense that's also going to throw the ball consistently. I take a look at these, and especially being in a dome helps out. I think Derek Carr is primed to throw the most passing yards. And then most passing touchdowns, it's really hard to go against either Brady or Mahomes. They are going to get the efficiency because one thing we know about touchdowns, they are inherently random. I uh, just remember the dominant year Calvin Johnson had uh, where he had, what, 1,900 yards. I think he had three touchdowns. Julio Jones had a season where he had 1,500 yards and one touchdown. Touchdowns are random. You can get tackled at the one-yard line, and then all of a sudden he gets vultured but by like a Rashad Penny or Kenneth Walker the third. So it, you have to be really careful in that sense. Um, I think Derek Carr is a really good play for both of these just because of the situation and the offense that Las Vegas will be in on a consistent basis this year. And I think from a Seahawks perspective, when you talk about a player that you can argue you should be betting heavy on, now Rashad Penny's got an injury history. There's always a risk when you roll the dice on any running backs, particularly one like Penny that has missed a lot of games. But we got to see what he could do last year. Those final six games of the season led the NFL in rushing yards, tied for second in rushing touchdowns, had seven runs of 25 or more yards, which easily led the league during that span. And he would have been one off of the NFL lead for the entire season in that category. So arguably the most explosive running back in the entire NFL last year, even with limited sample size. And yet he's coming in at a plus 3,300 on the prop for most rushing yards. Jonathan Taylor should be the favorite. Derrick Henry's Mr. Consistency at plus 450. Dalvin Cook's a fantastic talent, as is Nick Chubb. Najee Harris, I don't know if I'm buying him being this high on the list just because of the line situation in Pittsburgh, but you would feel much more comfortable rolling the dice on this one on a player in Penny who has shown that he can be a home run threat. Finally was able to prove that last year and show off that first round caliber talent going off of the races on a bunch of really long runs, four games with 130 yards or more. This seems like the kind of guy that you could be willing to roll the dice on at plus 3,300 odds. I think so. Uh, the one thing that really gives me hesitation, Corbin, is 
how short of a leash Pete Carroll is really have with some of these running backs. And uh, we were talking pre-show about Chris Carson and his unfortunate medical retirement here this afternoon. But Chris Carson had a fumbling problem and he got yanked quite a bit. Uh, if Penny isn't effective in like the first quarter, is he going to get yanked for Kenneth Walker the third? Uh, that would be the one hesitation I have, but I really like the long play. And just, it's a really nice dart throw because this is an offense that's going to run the football a lot, but will they be able to stop enough teams to consistently run the football for all four quarters? That's one thing that's going to give me a, a cause for concern. Uh, Penny's a good value bet here. Um, when it comes to most rushing yards, I really like to look who's going to be a bell cow. Who's the guy? Cause there are very few of those left. Dalvin cook, Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, and you could argue Nick Chubb, but Kareem Hunt gets so many touches. Um, yeah. Those are going to be the guys that I would expect to be in contention for that rushing title because they're going to get the lion's share of carries. And in today's NFL, you have so many backfields by committee. When you have an opportunity to uh, put money down on one of those guys, Dalvin Cook at the, what was it, plus 1,000, feels like a really, really good value play with a high opportunity to actually make money. I would be betting on Derrick Henry on this. And I know he's getting to be a little older and he missed half of last season with an injury. But aside from that, he's been Mr. Durable and he's just, mm -hmm. he's just different. He's an alien. The guy is built like an offensive lineman, but he runs like a running back. Like I just have a feeling he's going to bounce back, but you wouldn't want to bet against Taylor and some of the other running backs at the top of that list. Penny, it would certainly be a roll of the dice, but he's got the talent to do it if he's healthy and he gets the carries necessary. Ken Walker, the third, potentially is going to be a hindrance in that regard. I think that Walker is going to be a bigger impact on this next one, though, and that's rushing touchdowns. They have Rashad Penny at plus 5,000 on this one. Again, he tied for the second most rushing touchdowns in the last six games. You mentioned it, though. Touchdowns are random. And I don't know how often that this offense is going to be in a position to punch the ball into the end zone, given the quarterback situation. It would seem like this would not be a safe of a play as, say, the volume rushing yardage. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree there. Uh, <laughs> touchdowns are very random. We've seen so many touchdown vultures over the years. Remember LaDainian Tomlinson? He had Michael Turner, um, guys like Leroy Horde, uh, Matt Asiata for the Vikings, like, there are guys out there that are short yardage backs that get all the touches in the red zone. Uh, three rushes, three yards, three touchdowns. There, there are plenty of those guys out there, and it really gives me a cause for concern when you talk about uh, the Seahawks, especially when they have a two-back committee. Um, I like the idea of Kenneth Walker the third as kind of like that long shot value because I, I think they might try to use the younger guy with the fresher legs who does not have the injury history a little more in those like short yardage situations, especially with how stout Kenneth Walker is and Penny's a little bit of a bigger back. I, I would kind of stay away from this play at a general sense. I would go Dalvin cook um, again, just because the Vikings have historically loved to run the football. Dalvin is arguably the best back in football and he's got phenomenal vision and athleticism. And he's able to really do a lot for the Vikings out of the backfield. And with Kevin O'Connell really prioritizing offense, it's going to be a great compliment for Kirk Cousins. So that would be my play. Um, Walker's an interesting dart throw. And I wouldn't recommend putting some money on it, but if you just want to mess around and you love the Seahawks and you want to bet on them, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one to do. 
Yeah, I'm more. I'm a running back guy, so the Penny rushing yards one is one that I'm actually pondering a little bit here, just because we've seen what he can do when he tantalized last year. Rushing touchdowns again, I would just be hesitant because I don't know how many points this offense is going to score. Now there are questions about Rashad Penny's durability. There's questions about whether Drew Locke can even be a starting quarterback. What can't be questioned is that DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are two of the elite receivers in the NFL. It's the only pair of receivers the last three years with over 3,100 receiving yards, over 200 receptions, and over 25 receiving touchdowns. No other pair of teammates has done that. But that was with Russell Wilson playing quarterback. And you can tell the sports books, they are not recognizing Metcalf and Lockett for their talent as much this year in prop betting because of the quarterback situation. For most receiving yards, Metcalf plus 3,300, Tyler Lockett at plus 5,000, and Lockett's had three straight 1,000-yard seasons for the Seahawks. Steve Largent's the only other player in franchise history that's done that, and yet neither one of them is close to being at the top of this list. And based on their quarterback situation, you can completely understand it. Absolutely. And here's part of the issue when you have two really, really good wide receivers, guys who complement each other well, and are of a similar skill set. Who's going to dominate the touches? Who's going to be that alpha? And I don't think you can really differentiate Lockett or Metcalf as really separating themselves from the other. And that can play a problem because they'll share touches, they'll share opportunities. And if you don't have, like, Stefan Diggs in Buffalo is a really good play because he is the guy. And he showed that the last two years. Gabe Davis is emerging, and so is Dawson Knox. You don't have an like an alpha on the opposite side of him. Diggs is the only alpha. And that is one thing I really like to look for in props like this. Metcalf is going to be your safer high upside play over Lockett because of his size and his explosiveness and his ability to just literally run through and around people. Metcalf is just a special kind of athlete. And I would take that over Lockett while Lockett is really, really good technician. He's got his own juice as well. He is just a smaller player, and that just gives you inherent limitations unless you are truly a special style receiver, which he's just not quite at that level. He's a tier below. Yeah, he's really good. I don't know if he's got necessarily those traits that jump out to you, but I will say this. I don't know about trusting receptions just because the volume of the offense I talk about, they don't throw the ball very much. And also I think you're going to see more secondary targets. They're going to get opportunities with Drew Locke or Geno Smith under center. But I think that one thing that is being overlooked right now, DK Metcalf is a touchdown machine. And I actually wonder if he could be helped a bit by Geno Smith or Drew Locke being the quarterback in the sense that Russell Wilson was awful at throwing the fade ball. That was one of the weak points for him, whether it was Jimmy Graham or DK Metcalf. Metcalf's coming in at plus 4,000 and receiving touchdowns. He had 12 of them last year, and he caught four of those from Geno Smith in just a handful of games. And so this one feels like at plus 4,000 that you could make an argument that that one is a strong one to consider because even the volume's not there, you know Metcalf is going to get those opportunities whenever Seattle's in the red zone. Yeah, and, and that that is a really, really big deal when you're able to, in the red zone, be able to out-muscle and outsize people. And Metcalf has the ability to do that, especially on slants. He has developed enough quickness because we all know that atrocious three-cone drill at the combine. He has really <laughs> improved. He's really improved his foot speed and become a more well-rounded receiver, something that those projections early on weren't really giving him and giving him any kind of credit. And I think with his size, 
and his ability to box out, you're going to be able to work on those slants. And then he obviously can win jump balls and fade routes. I really like Metcalf as a dark horse here. And, but the t- really tough part is touchdowns are random. And like too m- often you see great receivers just not get touchdowns just because the opportunities aren't there. Or, hey, the play's designed to go to them and it gets double covered. And then all of a sudden your slot receiver gets a little slant for a touchdown because he's wide open. Up next, we're going to take a look at some over-under bets for individual players, including Rashad Penny, heading into the 2022 season here on our latest edition of Wager Wednesday. If you're really living paycheck to paycheck or struggling to make ends meet, it can be really stressful when unexpected expenses come up. Now Dave can help you get out of a pinch when you really need it. Dave is the banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. That's more money to fill your tank, buy a wedding gift, or catch up on bills. You can finally tackle those expenses that have been stressing you out without any hangups. There's no interest and no credit check needed. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief they need with extra cash. Download the Dave app right now from the App Store. That's D-A-V-E. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve. Member FDIC. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Wager Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for our bonus episode, my co-host, Tyler Forness. All right, let's get to our over-under bets. We just took a look at some interesting props with receiver DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, as well as running back Rashad Penny and quarterback Drew Locke. Let's start off back in the backfield with our over-under. And we've looked at Penny. We already discussed him a little bit, coming off that scintillating finish to the 2021 season. And now he is the bell cow with Chris Carson being forced to retire. And we got a couple bets here. And before we get started, I just want you to explain to our listeners, they may be doing a double take here, looking at the odds and seeing negative 115 for both over and under. Why would sports books do that with these over under bets? So the reason why they do this is one, they are, uh, they're a long-term play and they can be really difficult to predict. And it's a way for the sports books to curb losses because let's say Penny all of a sudden has a bell cow year and he rushes for over a thousand yards. You can lose a lot of money and you can lose a lot of money on a lot of props and the better themselves are still going to be making a good amount of money with only having to bet $115 to win a hundred. It's just a good way for the sports books to kind of curb potential losses. Yeah, and I think you look at that particular one, over 700 and a half yards. Penny's only done that one time in his first four years, and it's been because Mm -hmm. of injuries early on in his career, Chris Carson being the bell cow. So it seems like a riskier play, but I would think this next one would make a lot more sense because Rashad Penny had six touchdowns in the final six games last year. And Mm -hmm. for bet on lines over under prop, over five, negative 115, under five, negative 115, it feels like if Penny can just stay healthy, that five touchdowns should be pretty easy to hit in 2022, especially with them probably leaning more in the run game. I would agree. Um, I would also consider under here because of multiple things. And we've talked about how touchdowns are inherently random. And you also have Kenneth Walker the third, who you drafted at 41. You drafted him to play him, not to sit him all season. He's going to get a lot of run. Plus, uh, how many of those touchdowns are going to be through the air? And kind of to pair with that, 
this Seahawks offense is not exactly projected to be a barn burner. So let, let's say you average two touchdowns a game, all right, on, on the offensive side of the football. You average two touchdowns a game, how many of those are going to go to Rashad Penny? And you, you're going to have to differentiate. You're probably going to throw at least 20 touchdown passes. So then you only have th- uh, 34 total touchdowns. So 14 are coming from other outlets. Let's say you get two from defense and special teams. So then you're down at 12. Your quarterback's probably going to get two of them. And then you have 10 to go between Rashad Penny, Kenneth Walker, DJ Dallas, Travis Homer. And then if you get a rushing touchdown from Tyler Lockett, that brings you down to nine right there. So you have nine touchdowns to go between those guys. And um, are we really going to see five from Rashad Penny? That's where I really look at it and be like, okay, maybe we need to take a step back. There's a reason why these props are as difficult as they are sometimes. I would feel a lot more comfortable if there was a half here. And I think that's why Vegas has it set the way it is. I would I would bet under because I would bet on Rashad Penny getting hurt and missing time, which he has done all four years of his career thus far. And Seahawks fans are hoping that's not the case. They'd like to Absolutely. see one full season where he's healthy, and maybe this will be the year. But, yeah, past precedent suggests he is going to miss time at some point. Now, going to the outside, as I mentioned earlier, DK Metcalf has been a beacon of consistency. He didn't get to 1,000 yards last year, but he did have 12 receiving touchdowns. So looking at receptions, over under 67 and a half, again, another 115 negative on both over and under. I would think if Russell Wilson was still the quarterback that you're thinking over on this one. But again, you've got to wonder how many completions are going to go his way with the quarterbacks that are on Seattle's roster currently. Well, considering DK Metcalf was the top option the last two years, he had 83 and 75, easily clearing that 67 and a half mark. And even in his rookie year, where he had a little bit of a slower start and really tried to develop that chemistry with Russell Wilson, and he was much more of a one-trick pony then, he still had 58 for 900. I would go over here because even though you're going to have struggles with Drew Locke as your quarterback and you're going to potentially have issues throwing the football down the field, when you have a receiver like DK Metcalf, you can do different things. And this is where we talk about the difference between Metcalf and Lockett. Metcalf is a bigger body who can be physical, who can – out muscle people both in the air and with boxing out and giving the quarterback more space to throw the football. I believe that that Metcalf is going to be the one that you're going to want to go over here with uh, receptions, just because it's going to be inherently easier to get him the football or at least give him opportunities to catch it. And when I mentioned this earlier, you don't know how many receptions are going to be going Metcalf's way just because of the low volume passing the football. I think it's going to feel a lot like 2012, 2013, 2014, when Seattle led the NFL, or they used to win the top three for rushing attempts. They are going to get that run game going. But the touchdown standpoint, even with, as you mentioned, touchdowns being random, DK Metcalf has been a monster when it comes to putting points to the board and that connection you already have with Geno Smith, maybe Drew Locke wins the job and he's shown he can get the ball to his big play receivers. I think over six seems like a fairly safe play here as long as Metcalf stays healthy and knock on wood to this point, he has been able to, he's played in every regular season game his first three years. You have to figure if Metcalf is on the field with his elite size and his ability to high point the football and already being a red zone weapon that over six would be a pretty easy hurdle for him to get past, regardless of who's playing quarterback. And I think we can look at past precedent here, Corbin, 
7, 10, and 12. We were told 29 touchdowns over the course of his first three years. DK Metcalf has not missed the game, and he has really been a beacon of consistency when it comes to health and being available, which is always the biggest thing. And it was a really big question for Metcalf coming in because he had that neck injury that he suffered at Ole Miss. He had the reconstructive surgery, and there were questions, well, will he be healthy? How's the neck going to do? There's been no issue uh, since he came into the league, which has been fantastic for the Seattle Seahawks. I would go over here, too, because even though touchdowns are random and you have, uh, like, Drew Locke as your quarterback, he's going to get red zone targets. He's going to get him on fades. He's going to get him on, uh, like, crossers, picks, slants. They're going to try and get DK Metcalf the football in the red zone. And that in itself is inherently valuable. I think over here is a smart play. He's probably going to end up with eight or nine touchdowns, even with a lower volume passing offense, because the defense is going to be able to stop people like they have in years past. When the defense can't stop people, you have to figure out how to move the football, move it quick. Easiest way to do that is the passing game. DK Metcalf, I would go over on both of his props. Yeah, I agree with you. I think both of them would be fairly safe, but I definitely think that the touchdown one would be given Metcalf's track record. He's gotten past six all three of his seasons. Now we're going to shift gears here to a player we haven't talked about yet, and I mentioned this earlier, something that would make me hesitate a little bit, at least when you're looking at receptions and receiving yards for Metcalf and Lockett. I expect there are going to be other receivers that get more touches than they got with Russell Wilson under center with different quarterbacks, particularly with Geno Smith and Drew Locke, I think using the middle of the field more. Noah Fant seems like a player that's going to benefit a lot from the presence of a different quarterback in Denver, especially if Locke's playing, because those two already have a really good rapport from their time with the Broncos. And looking at receptions, Fant, their setting is over under at 58 and a half, and we've got a negative 150 on this one for both over and under. You consider his track record. He's had over 600 receiving yards each of the last couple seasons. Touchdowns have not been something that he's scored a lot of, but he's consistently got touches. This one feels like it might be really interesting, even with Seattle's track record of not getting tight ends involved. That was with Russell Wilson. I think with these new quarterbacks, no fans got a chance to be involved a lot more in this offense. And 58 and a half, uh, that might not be a difficult hurdle for him to climb. Especially when you consider how often the tight end itself is an outlet receiver. And even though Noah Fant is going to be somebody that you want to push the ball down the field with because he has that four or five speed and he is really a vertical threat, 62 and 68 receptions over the last two years, mainly with Drew Locke starting. And then even last year, you had Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. I think the safe bet here is the over, even with a rushing style of offense, because let's face it, the Broncos wanted to run the football as well. And they were still able to meet that threshold. You're talking... At 58 and a half, you're talking just over three receptions a game. That should be easy for Noah Fan, especially with the rapport that he's already going to have with Drew Locke. It's going to be a nice safety blanket for him. I think the over is an easy play. I would agree with you on that. The one that I don't think would be an easy play, just because of his track record, I think Noah Fant is capable of scoring a lot of touchdowns, but that has not happened. He had his career high last year, and it was four. He's not scored a lot of touchdowns. And three and a half is the mark set for over under. So you would be betting on him at least matching what he did last year. And again, it's not many touchdowns. So maybe that's the reason that you would consider doing it. But his track record does not speak well and is regard to in regard to scoring touchdowns. That has been a weakness in his game. Maybe that changes in Seattle's offense with Shane Waldron at the controls, whoever's a quarterback. 
But maybe this is another thing where having DK Metcalf there is going to limit your opportunities by default. I'll say this as well. Tight end is the hardest position to come in and translate and play well right away. You see a lot of tight ends really start to figure out year four, year five. Travis Kelsey really didn't blossom until he was like 27 years old. There's a reason for that. They're coming in and they have to block men, defensive ends. Imagine telling a rookie tight end, hey, I need you to block Daniil Hunter for three seconds on this play. I'm sorry, what? Like, that's what we're asking them to do. We're asking them to be really, really good receivers at the same time. There's a saying in the scouting community, if you draft a tight end in the first round, you're drafting them for their next team. And like OJ Howard is a guy that we can really see that with because he just went to the bills. Obviously he's had some injury concerns, but he really didn't do much at all with the box. And if he ends up blossoming, that's really going to come to fruition. And it makes some sense. Fance is going to be on his second team, fourth year. This is where you really start to see tight ends take a jump, take that leap and really become what they're going to be because they're acclimated to the game. They're acclimated to the trenches. They have that grown man strength. Yeah, a lot of players will still have it coming out of college, but you need just another level when you're playing the tight end position. And I, I think Fant over on touchdowns should be a pretty good one. Three, three, four over the course of his first three years with that rapport with Drew Locke. Like, and they're going to have arguably better receivers, even though they have a really good group in Denver. You have more established players in Metcalf and Lockett on the outside. So Fant is going to draw a lot less attention attention on the inside. Yeah, you make some very good points there. And obviously, if everything comes together, four touchdowns is not that many for a tight end to score. It's just been an area that he has not put big production up in his first three seasons. And some of it might have been that learning curve the tight ends have come to the league, especially one like him that was lighter, not known for his blocking, and yet he was being asked to do that in Denver. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of growing pains when you come into the league at that position. Now, real quick, this has been an all-offensive episode. Our listeners are probably wondering, where are defensive ones? Well, BetOnline had very few defensive players from the Seahawks that were in any of their prop bets, but there was one in particular, Mr. Underrated himself at free safety, Quandre Diggs. He's the only player in the NFL the last five seasons that's had at least three interceptions in all of those seasons. He's had he's had five each of the past two seasons to lead the Seahawks. And so looking at his over-under, they've set it at three and a half interceptions. This is a lot like touchdowns. Interceptions can vary a lot year to year. Mm -hmm. Some of it depends on how much quarterbacks are targeting the defender being talked about here. And free safeties, it can especially be that way. If teams aren't testing you downfield, there might not be near as many chances to make plays. And yet, this feels like one, Tyler, that just looking at Quandre Diggs' track record and the ball skills that he has, and he's going to be playing all over the formation in this new defense. They're going to be moving him around. He might play some of the slot. He might get some in the box. I have a feeling that there are going to be a lot of opportunities for him to make a play on the football and so I know three and a half interceptions uh, for a lot of players, that's a lot. But for Quandre Diggs, with his track record, a new contract in hand, playing in a defense, I think it's going to be a really good fit for him. I actually would feel pretty darn confident in him getting at least four interceptions this year because he's been able to consistently do that for the Seahawks. Sure, but it, we're really leaving the elephant out of the room here. It's a brand new defense. This is not your traditional Seahawks cover three that we grew to know with the Legion of Boom. So being that he's going to be playing in a brand new system, is he going to, one, have the comfort level to really be able to uh, maximize it? 
too, is he going to be asked to do the same things where he's going to play a lot of that center field role? And I have a lot of questions about that and how he's really going to translate with this new scheme. I would go under because interceptions are more difficult now than ever to come by. And because he's playing in a new system, it, that just leaves too many variables that I really can't account for. I would go under here. And even if he gets three, he still has to get four in order for the over to hit. Yeah, that makes some sense. But I just think when you consider the fact he played in a very similar defense to this one earlier in his career in Detroit, and he already mentioned, I feel pretty darn good at the defense, and they're not completely reinventing the wheel either. Clint Hurt is from in-house, so they're going to still be making a lot of the same calls. They played a lot of two-deep coverage last year, and Diggs still ended up with five interceptions. I just, I guess I don't have the reservations that you do about system fit or his comfort level. And he's a veteran. He's been through multiple defenses. So mm -hmm. I guess this is one of them that you and I can disagree. If I was betting on this one, I actually would go over three and a half just because I have great respect for the player. He's consistently been able to get interceptions. Yeah. And I just have a feeling he's going to be able to. But you make some valid points as well. And interceptions, again, it's something that's very hard year to year mm -hmm. to project, especially now where picks are harder and harder to come by with the way that yeah. offenses are constructed. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Tyler at The Real Forno. Again, that's The Real Forno. You can check out Locked on Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming out on Thursday, going to be breaking down Seattle's first training camp practice set to happen here in a few hours from now at the VMAC. Going to be sharing some observations, some takeaways from that first practice. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks.